I was sitting on the couch watching TV, and out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something flashed. A black shadow suddenly appeared and quickly disappeared somewhere in the back of the room. I got up and decided to look around. Maybe it was my little brother Eugene trying to scare me, but the room was empty. Suddenly, the shadow reappeared, this time in the top corner of the room, right near the ceiling. It frightened me. I didn't know what it could be. The shadow flashed in front of me once again, disappeared, then reappeared and headed right at me. I screamed loudly, jumped back, and fell on my back. The front door opened. It was my mother. What happened? She saw my frightened face. I looked around. There was no shadow. Nothing. I blurted out immediately. I just fell down. My mom looked at me suspiciously and then carried the groceries into the kitchen. Maybe I was just exhausted and was starting to see things that didn't make sense. Hi, my name is Karen, and lately I've been seeing some weird things that made me question my mental health. But first things first, I had surgery not too long ago, and not the easiest one. I was transplanted with someone else's eyes. I've had problems with my vision since childhood. I wore glasses, had to squint sometimes, but I managed somehow. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. They called me four-eyed, a dweeb, and so forth. I'm sure you all know these typical nicknames, but that I could put up with somehow. However, in high school, my eyesight began to deteriorate drastically. I switched from one pair of glasses to the next, and it helped for a while. Eventually, I couldn't see much. My mother and I went to the hospital. Doctors hmm. examined me for a long time. They spun me around, stared at me, used different instruments. Then they sent me to another hospital until the last and most prestigious clinic gave me a disappointing diagnosis. I could go blind. My mom and dad were pretty shaken up by it. I must admit, so was I. What can be done, doctor? Mom asked. Well, there's only one solution, surgery. We need to transplant a set of healthy eyes. I didn't even believe that something like that was possible. The very thought of seeing the world through someone else's eyes made me feel very uneasy. It was a difficult time in my life, but as it turned out, there was more to come. My parents finally agreed to the surgery, but it wasn't that easy. We had to wait a couple of months for a donor to come along, but then the donor's eyes arrived and I finally got the surgery. I was blindfolded for two weeks and couldn't see anything. I was scared because I had no idea if I would see again. The doctors didn't know that either. Finally, they took the bandage off. I saw the outline of my mother's face and then hey. I saw my father and then the room we were in. I cried with joy. My parents cried too. It was an overwhelming feeling to be yes. able to see again. Uh -huh. Everything was beautiful. I went back to school, read books. I had perfect eyesight. Never before had I seen everything so clearly. I felt like I had some kind of superpower, even though I was just like everybody else. But I wouldn't even be telling you about any of this if it wasn't for the side effects. I started seeing some strange things, sometimes even creepy things, that gave me the shivers. One time I remember I woke up, went to the bathroom, turned on the water, washed my face, and then I looked up and almost fainted. What I saw in the mirror wasn't me, but a copy of me. She was smiling at me and waving. I rubbed my eyes and the other me was gone. I couldn't understand what just happened. Am I really losing my mind? I wanted to talk to my parents, but I just couldn't find the right words. 
What if they thought I was insane? I didn't want to end up in the hospital, so I decided to figure it out on my own. There was definitely something going on with me, and it had something to do with my eyes. I figured there had to be some scientific explanation for it. So I went to the doctor who performed the surgery. I asked him, is it possible the eyeball is damaged and that causes... How should I put this? I hesitated. What? The doctor asked. Distortion? Strange visions? The man mm -hmm. frowned. Let's examine you, he said after a long pause. I was again seated in that creepy chair. They attached some kind of machine to me, and the doctor examined my eyes for about 10 minutes. Then he declared, There's nothing wrong. I don't see any damage. Okay, it's probably just fatigue. If there's anything wrong, come back again. We'll help you figure it out. I, unsure whether to be happy or sad, returned home. Things didn't make more sense to me. So I decided to trace things all the way back to the beginning to find out whose eyes I got. It wasn't easy at all. So I asked Michael to help me. Michael was a friend of mine. We took a sculpting class together for two years. We both hated it, so we soon became friends. At recess, I tried to explain to him what was happening and outline my crazy plan. It's not just some random specs. No, they have faces and they move. Creepy, like a horror movie. Wow, and I thought you were finally going to be able to live a normal life. I can see just fine, but not everything I see, I like. So what are you thinking? Sneak into the clinic at night, locate my file, and find out exactly who my donor was. I could tell mm -hmm. by the look on Michael's face hmm. that he was fighting himself. Mm. I don't know. It's kind of dangerous. And how do we get through security? We could come during the day, hide somewhere, and then come out when the clinic closes. Only after about five minutes, Michael said, Okay, let's go. I don't want you running around by yourself. The next day, we went to the hospital. We were walking down the halls, wondering where we could hide. I suggested, why don't we find a back room where they keep all the cleaning supplies and mops? Okay. Michael agreed. After half an hour, we finally found a suitable back room. While no one was looking, we snuck in and hid in the closet. The closet was cramped, so we had to stand there with our arms around each other. It's a little awkward. Michael said, yeah. I agreed, but then I added, shh, I think someone's coming. And indeed, a woman entered the room. She was folding something for about 10 minutes, and then she went out and we were alone again. What do those shadows look like? What do you see? Michael suddenly asked, well, I don't know. They're long with red eyes. Sometimes you can see the mouth. It's hard to describe. Some kind of black clots. I wonder what it could be related to. That's what I want to find out. Maybe something happened to the person whose eyes I got, and now I'm seeing all this. We stood in the closet for four hours. My legs were stiff. It was also stuffy. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the hospital was empty, and we crawled out of the closet, eagerly breathing in fresh air. We stretched our stiff legs and arms. Having come to our senses, we headed out on a search mission. At night, the clinic looked creepy. Everything was dark, with only a few dim lights on. What we needed was an archive where they kept all the patient's records. Surely my file would have some record of my donor. I already knew where it was, so we headed over there without looking in every room. Suddenly, something flashed in the distance. At first, I thought it was one of the staff. A guard, perhaps? I touched Michael's shoulder and said in a whisper, I think there's someone up ahead. I looked closer. It looked like a silhouette of a person. I can't see anything. Where? Huh? Said Michael. 
over there. I pointed to where the silhouette was, but no one was there now. Where? I imagined it. Michael let out a sigh of relief and we continued on our way. The archive was on the second floor. We were on the third. After a bit of confusion, we finally found the right door. Is this it? Yes, I said. You just have to be quiet. The office was dark, so I switched on the flashlight on my phone. It was dangerous, but there was no other way. There were several shelves against the wall. It must be here, I said to Michael, and pointed to the metal boxes with the letters on them. Are they alphabetical? I think so. I need an R. Robinson. Hold the light and I'll look for it. I held the flashlight while Michael went through folder after folder. Did you find it? I asked, growing impatient. No, but... He stopped, and then he called out loudly, There! Hush! They'll hear us! Suddenly, there was a noise in the hallway. I turned off the flashlight, and my friend and I hid under the table. The doorknob creaked, and someone came inside. A flashlight beam flickered across the room. You must have imagined it, hmm. came the guard's voice. He shut the door. We waited until his footsteps faded, and I finally asked, Did you find it? Yeah. Michael showed me the folder. It said Karen Robinson on it. I flipped through the paperwork and made sure it was what we were looking for. I wanted to figure out on the spot, but Mike said, Come on, let's just take it with us. What? Yeah, and then we'll bring it back. Okay, I agreed. We'll read it outside. We left the office, walked down the hallway towards the stairs, so we can get to the first floor and sneak past the garden to the street. Suddenly, black shadows appeared at the end of the corridor. There were many of them an entire squad. At first, they stood looking at me. I froze too and couldn't move. Then the shadows lunged at me and I screamed. Michael didn't understand what was happening. What's going on? He asked. I began to explain that a bunch of black monsters came rushing at me. I ran for the stairs. Michael followed me. I ran as fast as I could. We made it to the first floor. A guard suddenly appeared in front of us. But he was so frightened by my scream, he jumped out of the way. We made our way to the street and ran for another 10 minutes. Michael kept up with me. I turned around to see if the shadows were still chasing me, but there were no shadows. I stopped, and so did Michael. We caught our breath, and that's when the guy asked, Were there shadows? Yeah, maybe they're not real, but I didn't want to check. We stood by the lantern, and I opened the folder. I frantically read everything that was written about my surgery. When I got to the information about the donor, I immediately understood everything. They transplanted the eyes of a man who was being treated in a psychiatric hospital. He had schizophrenia and he was seeing terrible hallucinations. But I thought it had more to do with the brain than the eyes. Yeah, so did I, but who the hell knows? I have to show it to my parents. We went back home. Mom and dad were worried because I never came home from school but I handed them the folder and pointed to the right document. I explained that I was seeing scary things and that it seemed to have something to do with my transplanted eyes. The next day, my parents made a scene at the clinic, complaining that they weren't informed who those eyes belonged to. They promised me a new surgery. Luckily, this time, I didn't have to wait so long. I got the transplant the very next week. I never saw those shadows again, but the darkness still scares me, and I don't like to be alone in a dark room. What would you do if you suddenly started seeing strange shadows? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. Hi, my name is North, and I am always telling the truth.
It may seem to some people that such honesty is a perfect quality, but it is very difficult for a person who tells only the truth to find their place in society, and now I will explain why. A few years ago, I was not as honest as I am now, and like all teenagers, I loved lying for my own benefit. My little lies didn't harm anyone, but one day, fate played a very bad joke on me, and my deception resulted in a disaster. Once in winter, my parents asked me to light a fireplace in the living room and watch it until they returned home from work. That day, I was at home with my friend, and after we lit the fireplace, we got bored just sitting and waiting for my parents. My friend persuaded me to go for a walk for some time, and I agreed. When my parents called and asked me where I was, I lied with confidence that I was at home. I was sure that nothing could happen with the fireplace because there was that protection against sparks, but my overconfidence brought dire consequences. Coming back from our walk, I noticed fire trucks rushing towards my house. Everything inside me turned upside down when a black column of smoke rose above the crowns of maple trees right where my house was located. When I ran up to it, I saw just the burning walls and the protruding chimney of the ill-fated fireplace. Neighbors, firefighters, police, and my parents were crowding nearby. When they saw me, they started crying with happiness and rushed to hug me because they thought that I had not been able to get out. As for me, I was totally shocked and could not even say a word. Realizing that it was my fault, I was so dumbstruck that my whole body was covered with unpleasant goosebumps. Later, I told my parents everything, and then for the first time, I saw terrible disappointment in their eyes, which I will remember for my whole life. It's easy to guess that I was severely punished for negligence, but I gave myself the most severe verdict on my own. Because of the shock and the argument with my parents, something changed inside of me, and lying has become forbidden for me. I swore to myself and my parents that I would never lie again, and I kept my word. Even when I want to lie for a good reason, I could no longer do it on a subconscious level. You can't even imagine how much my life has changed after the promise I made to myself. I became a different person, and absolutely everyone around me noticed it. My parents were happy with this change and even became a bit softer with me, but my friends did not appreciate my absolute honesty. Telling only the truth, I hurt almost all my friends and classmates by revealing their secrets, so only my best friend Ashley was speaking to me. At first, my strange behavior didn't bother her, but soon everything changed. At the end of the last academic year, as always, the final and most important test in different subjects awaited us. The most difficult one of these subjects was algebra, and no one from our class had ever managed to pass it with a high score. But once, someone was able to find the answers to the test questions in advance, and all the classmates were extremely happy about it. My new principles did not allow me to cheat and copy the answers as this amounted to deception. When the tests were checked, I was the only person in the class who had an average mark, and this raised suspicions among the teachers. On the same day, the headmaster began to demand an explanation from us, and I could not lie to him. As a result, all the tests except mine were zeroed out, and my classmates were rewriting them under the headmaster's supervision. My classmates didn't prepare for the test, and as you've already guessed, all of them, including my friend Ashley, failed it. Her reputation as a good student was ruined, and this was partly my fault. 
After that, my classmates declared war on me, and Ashley was on their side. I was afraid to go to school as they were trying to ruin my life in every possible way. I could not even have a normal lunch in the cafeteria because no one left me alone. I had to go outside to dine and to spend some time in peace and safety. My parents noticed that my mood changed and began to ask me what happened. I told the whole truth, and they were really outraged by the horrible behavior of my classmates. They thought that I was right and went to school to sort out the matter, which led to a huge scandal. My classmates were punished, which ruined their reputations even more, and then the atmosphere in the class became simply unbearable, and during all the school days remaining before the holidays, my classmates were humiliating me and bullying me. In autumn, I was transferred to another school as I wanted to start my life over. In the new school, no one knew about my absolute honesty, and I tried not to get involved in any class affairs at all. By the way, my class was really big, and everyone in it was divided into two warring camps, which was obvious at first glance. Despite my fears, I quickly found classmates who were willing to talk to me. But anyway, my honesty was still felt, and soon they guessed my peculiarity. My new friend Amy said that I was a godsend for their class. Amy was the monitor, and she kindly told me about a conflict in their class that had flared up a few years ago because of some trivial thing. She saw a hope for reconciliation in me because I was a new student, which meant that I had nothing to do with their conflicts. My task was to communicate with the opposing parties and then report to Amy on everything I could get to know to prevent new fights. Many people began to trust me because I was honest with everyone, but no one except Amy knew that I could not keep secrets for a long time and was aware that if I was asked about something, I would immediately tell the whole truth. So I got to know many secrets and told them to Amy despite the fact that I was asked to keep them. But at that moment, I was sure that all my efforts would finally help to achieve peace in the class. However, I was mistaken, as I became not a companion for Amy, but a weapon in the war against everyone else. Once, I found out for her one thing that finally got the conflict out of control. I learned that the parents of one of my classmates gave bribes to a physics teacher in exchange for good grades. Amy was happy to hear this because that classmate had been driving her crazy for a long time. She immediately rushed to the headmaster to tell him about it. Due to this piece of news, there arose a huge scandal which had dire consequences. The girl had to go to another school, and the teacher was immediately fired with bad recommendations. I could not believe that Amy took advantage of me in such a manner, but that still was not the worst part. After this incident, she no longer needed me, so she quickly turned everyone in the class against me. Due to this, my school life became a real hell because they began mocking me all the time. My parents, being busy with work, did not notice my bad mood and for that reason did not ask what had happened, otherwise they would have gone to the headmaster again to sort out the matter. However, even without this, life at school was practically unbearable. The rumor about my trick quickly spread, and even people from parallel classes stopped communicating with me. I had to have dinner outside again, and this did not really make me happy because it was terribly cold outside. In the end, I realized that I was tired of this and decided to express everything to my classmates. Before the beginning of the lesson, I approached Amy with confidence, yelled at her, and pushed her so hard that she fell and hit her head. But I didn't stop there and hurt literally everyone. 
I was gripped by such intense anger that I could no longer control my emotions. Unfortunately, this had negative consequences for me. I thought that my deed showed my strength, but in response, my classmates took up arms against me. Amy, along with everyone else, went to the headmaster and reported everything to him. He was not happy with my behavior and said that fights at his school were unacceptable and that I would have to leave it immediately. I was both upset and happy with the fact that I left that school. My parents realized how difficult it was for me to adapt in the class and offered me to study remotely. I liked this idea, so I agreed. Do you think it is useful to lie sometimes, or is it better to always tell the truth? Give your answers in the comments. Do not forget to click on the thumbs up button below the video if you liked it and share it with your friends. I woke up to a loud pop. Frightened, I called out for my boyfriend. Tom, Tom! But Tom wasn't there, so I had to find out what had happened. I cautiously looked through the window. I saw my boyfriend coming down the drain pipe and some girl was loading bags into it. One of the bags burst, and our family jewels scattered all over the pavement. You can't imagine how shocked I was. Tom, what's going on? I yelled. The guy, meanwhile, jumped to the ground, walked over to the girl, and kissed her defiantly. Then he shouted, I used you to steal your family's money. The whole world came crashing down at the same moment. Tears rolled down my face. Stop. You probably don't know what's going on at all, do you? Let me start from the beginning. My name's Lissa. My parents own a huge factory. And we're rich. Very rich. How did I meet Tom? And why didn't I realize right away that he was pretending to steal our mansion? One day, I was walking through the mall with my friend Lily. We walked from store to store until we reached the most expensive boutique in town. The name spoke for itself. Luxury. Once inside, we immediately noticed the stunning shoes. Gold color, decorated with rhinestones. Unbelievable. The price was not significant. $200,000. But I fell in love with them at first sight. So without thinking twice, I took the shoes to the checkout counter. I was greeted there by a guy with the name Tom on his badge. Did you see the price? He asked in surprise. Yes, 200000 Here's the credit card. Tom almost dropped his jaw as he processed my purchase. He packed my shoes very carefully, and Lily and I headed for the exit. Suddenly, Tom called out to us in an uncertain voice. Excuse me, I'm going to finish soon. Would you like to have some coffee? Lily and I looked at each other, and then, without even turning around, we laughed out loud. We found the idea of going out for coffee with an ordinary salesman hilarious. My friend and I said goodbye in the parking lot. As I was driving down the highway, in my rearview mirror, I noticed a suspicious car that seemed to be following me. Even pulling into the grounds of my mansion, I saw the same car drive by slowly. Maybe it was just a coincidence, and he was on his way. I walked into the house, a huge mansion on the outskirts of town. Already in the bedroom, I unpacked my purchase. I twirled in the shoes in front of the mirror for a while. Very beautiful. I wish I could have gone to school in them and wowed everyone. Even though my family was one of the richest in town, I still had to go to an ordinary school with children from poor families. Unfortunately, there were no other schools in the area. Oh, what a contingent it was. For example, 
The next day while I was walking down the hall, some nitwits shoved me, which caused the books I was carrying to scatter all over the floor. What a jerk. I gritted through my teeth. I agree. Someone handed me one of the books. I looked up and saw the cashier from the store. Tony? I asked in surprise. Tom, actually. Actually, I don't care. I'm new here. Can you show me around the school? I laughed out loud without another word, carried on with my business. At the end of the day, there was a nasty surprise waiting for me in the parking lot. One of my tires was flat. Oh, crap. Wow, that looks like a serious puncture. Tom whistled. It was like he'd appeared out of thin air. I was not in the mood and barked, Piss off! Okay, just wanted to help you with changing the tire. Wait! <sighs> I sighed heavily. The spare's in the trunk. Tom jacked the car up and replaced the tire. He did it easily, like he'd been doing it since he was a kid. When he was done, the guy asked me, How about a cup of coffee now? Just for a little while? I only said yes because he helped me. Tom nodded and jumped in the car. We drove to a coffee shop nearby. At first, Tom struck me as very chatty. But I had to admit, his stories were very funny. One of them made me laugh so hard, I even got coffee coming out of my nose. After the cafe, I volunteered to give Tom a ride home. But he politely declined. I shook my hands, started the car, and drove off. I could forget about the meeting, but at dinner, I accidentally spilled grape juice on the white tablecloth, and in the red stain spreading across the table, I suddenly saw Tom's face. There were his cheekbones, his forehead, his funny ears. I admired the stain and sighed languidly. My mother's voice brought me back to reality. Maybe you can help me take off the tablecloth. Okay, Mom. I spent the rest of the evening cleaning the stain and thinking about Tom. This had never happened to me before. I think I'm in love. When I met Lily at school the next day, I told her everything. My friend frowned. That Tom came out of nowhere. Don't you think that's weird? You're right. I should have gotten some information about him. Lily was worried about me. She was my best friend, and she was the only one who could deal with my hot temper. And what was our surprise? When we met Tom again outside the school, in his hand, he held a glass of coffee. Here, your favorite, with almond syrup, I remembered. The guy winked. Oh, thanks, but Lily and I have to run. I grabbed a glass, and my friend and I quickly left. I needed a break to find out who this Tom really was. So at night, I planned to check all social media and find out more about him, but not until after the gym, which I did every Wednesday. I stayed a little longer than usual that day. So... I had to walk through the dark parking lot to get to my car. Just when I was opening the door, I heard a whistle. When I turned around, I saw the figure of a huge boogeyman emerge from the semi-darkness. He muttered, Beautiful car. Must be expensive. His stone gave me a good scare. I wanted to run away, but my legs stopped responding. I'll call the police. But it wasn't so easy to scare the man. He had already stretched out his arms to grab me. I squeezed my eyes shut with fear. But a few seconds passed and nothing happened. I cautiously opened my eyes and saw Tom. Next to the guy was the defeated boogeyman lying on the pavement. He was shaking his fist and screaming in pain. Come on, let's get out of here, shouted my savior. You, 
You saved me, I whispered. Tom put me in the passenger seat, and he jumped behind the wheel. The car screeched out of the parking lot. I told Tom the address of my house. When we pulled up outside the mansion, the guy exclaimed, Wow, this house is huge. While he admired the mansion, I admired him. It was great that he'd saved me and brought me home unharmed. Tom started to say something, but I didn't listen. I clung to my savior and kissed him. Tom hugged me, and we kissed for a few more minutes. However, it was time to say goodbye. At home, I couldn't stop thinking about my Prince Charming, and I fell asleep with a smile on my lips. So, did you find out who Tom really is? Lily asked me the next morning. Yes, he's my hero, my savior. My friend was confused when she heard me say that, but I didn't have time to go into details. I wanted to see Tom as soon as possible. So, I invited him over to my house for dinner. Come over tonight, and I'll show you around the mansion. I'm sorry, but I'm not ready to meet your parents yet. He hesitated. Don't worry, they're gone for the weekend. Tom closed his locker, smiled, and nodded. In the evening, I met him on the doorstep, and we had a real tour of my house. We visited almost every room. But for some reason, that study interested him the most. He was looking around with a keen eye. He was especially interested in my dad's safe. Tom kept looking at it and then suddenly started asking strange questions. When did your mom and dad meet? When were you born? And your parents? I was glad that Tom wanted to know more about me and my family, so I gladly answered all of his questions. After the tour, I invited the boy over to the table. We ate and chatted happily, and then Tom poured me my favorite grape juice. I was extraordinarily lucky to meet you here to our meeting, and you. Bottoms up. Wonderful toast, Tom. We clanked glasses, and I drank the juice. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was Lily. I had to leave the table, go up to my room and answer it. My friend was really hysterical. She was screaming. I checked it out. Tom the burglar. No way. I couldn't hear another word. My ears were ringing. My eyes were getting blurry, and my legs buckled, and I fell down. The last thing I remembered was Tom's sly smile, and the rest you already know. When I woke up, my head was literally pounding. Of course, the creep had put something in my glass. Tom had bagged everything he could find, and now he was about to flee the scene of the crime with his girlfriend. I used you to steal your family's money. I felt so sorry for myself. But wanting to rip that bastard to shreds helped me pull myself together. Meanwhile, Tom and his girlfriend jumped in the car. I ran to my dad's office. The safe was open, and there were bills scattered around. So that's why Tom was asking all those questions. He wanted the password to the safe, and apparently, he had succeeded. I rushed downstairs to the main entrance. I opened the doors and saw Tom's car heading for the gate. Well, I'd have to give chase. I wouldn't want to give up everything that belonged to my family that easily. But the tire of my car was flat again. It was in the same place it had been in the parking lot. Now I knew. Tom had a whole plan to lure me into his web. He slashed my tire outside the school. And that bouncer didn't just show up at the gym. Tom had sent him too. That bastard had to do everything he could to get me to like him. Well, he succeeded. He had me wrapped around his finger so easily. I ran out into the road in a panic. 
But all I had to do was to watch the Crookscar leave the grounds of the mansion. Exhausted, I sat down on the pavement and wept bitterly. Suddenly, the sound of a police siren was heard somewhere nearby. This was my last chance to set things right. As I ran out the gate, I saw Tom and his girlfriend being detained by the police. Standing next to the police car was my Lily. My friend rushed toward me. Are you okay? I am now. Did you call the cops? Yes, right after the call. We hugged. I was so grateful to Lily for being there for me. You're lucky. The robber took a long time with the safe and didn't have time to get away, said the policeman who came up to us. Thank you, officer. I walked over to the patrol car. Tom was sitting in the back seat, handcuffed. He looked at me with eyes full of hate. I smiled and waved. The police left, and Lily and I went back to my place to celebrate my rescue. By the way, that story had taught me something. After I'd almost lost everything, I realized that I was worthless on my own. So it's time for me to change. I'm learning to be kinder and better, and Lily's helping me do that. What life events made you change? It would be great if you could tell me your story in the comments. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. Bye! Hi everyone, my name is Dariana. I have super shiny hair. My mom's always admired it as the host of her own author's program on a popular TV channel about beauty and health. She knew a lot about it. My mother used to say that my hair was unique, that it looked as if it was on the cover of a shampoo commercial magazine without any special care. That's right, I didn't sweat it. But you know, by my mom's standards, having just beautiful hair is negligible. She's always had high standards, and this applied to everyone. That's how she lived her life, trying to make me as perfect as my hair. And look what came of it. If you were given a choice to make one part of your body the most beautiful, what would you choose? My mother was quite popular. She was well-known and respected by many for her character, beauty, and intelligence, and she always knew what she wanted. She had been running her show successfully for eight years, and just imagine, over those years, she never once showed me to her colleagues, never introduced me to the public. Even the media couldn't find out who her daughter was. Mom has always excused herself by saying that she separates her personal life from her work, and that she didn't want to violate my boundaries. Like, when I grow up, I'll choose to be famous or not. But in fact, the truth was hidden for other reasons, and I'll tell you what it was. It was an ordinary morning, one of those mornings that often happened in my life. I woke up, washed my face, and went down to the kitchen to have breakfast. Hi, Dariana, how did you sleep, baby? Let's get on the scale. What? Again? We weighed in two weeks ago. Yeah, but you know, I have to check. I got up on the scale and was horrified to see... Over a pound? Dariana, aren't you on a diet? I told you, you're about to meet my audience and co-workers. How could you do this to me? You know I want to finally show you to the public, but I can't do it when you're like this. I'm sorry, Mom. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't eat. I don't know how it happened. Forgive me. Get out. Get out of the kitchen. And I don't want you to ever set foot in here, you understand? From now on, you will eat one green apple a day. We need an emergency weight loss. I told you to weigh no more than 50 pounds. At 5'10", 900 grams is a lot of weight. This was not my first strict diet. I didn't eat more often than I did eat, and I was still far from my mom's dream figure. 
I ate one apple at a time, just like she told me to. After four days, I passed out in the middle of the street. Good thing I was near a hospital. When I woke up, there was a guy in a white coat next to me. It was as if I'd seen an angel, so handsome in a white mask, gloves, and a robe. He started talking to me, asking my name and age, and so on. I answered all the questions because it wasn't the first time. When I felt better, he introduced himself to me as Dr. Mike, allowing me to call him by his first name only. I know you. You're Miss Stacy Green's daughter. What? No, that's a mistake. I'm not her daughter. Come on, don't you remember me? I furrowed my brow and squinted my eyes, and then he got into a stand-up, kind of sitting-at-the-register position, and yes, that's right. Oh my god, this was the same Mikey, the son of our neighbor, the grocery store owner. Have you forgotten the time I secretly lent you groceries? How could I forget? I still haven't paid you back. You have the same gorgeous hair, and you've lost a lot of weight. Well, it's not the same as when I was a kid, but I'm not skinny either. You're anorexic. You're in great shape, but you're even skinnier. My advice to you as a doctor is not to torture yourself with diets. Well, when have you eaten last? Have you been drinking water? I left his question unanswered, then asked him not to tell my mother about my hunger fainting, and not to tell anyone at all. Nothing. I got up and walked out of the hospital, but Mikey yelled after me. You know, my dad found out about the debts and kicked me out of the store and then out of the house. He thought I gave everything away to beggars and punished me. And now I'm the doctor I always wanted to be. I mean, maybe it's all the best. Well, for a meeting. That was nice, but I didn't respond. I just walked away. I was prescribed a bunch of medication, which of course I did not buy. I did not tell my mother what happened to me at all, so as not to upset her unnecessarily. I went to a cafe, ordered an ice water, and went to the bathroom while they were taking my order. I had terrible pain in my stomach. While I was sitting there, I heard some girls talking. Tanya, are you sick? Why did you throw up? Poison? Oh, no, I'm just on a diet. What do you mean? Well, you eat a lot, and then you put two fingers in your mouth, and that's it. You're tricking your brain. You're kind of full, so you don't want to eat, but you have zero calories. Wow, that works. I lost six pounds in a week. The girls came out, and I suddenly thought, Two cheeseburgers, fries, and cheese sauce. I was already ordering after five minutes. At first, I exhaled, looking at the burgers. After all, I'd wanted to eat them for so long, but couldn't afford them. I remembered the girls talking. Nothing will happen. I'll lose weight in a week and then I'll stop doing it. Start my diet again and everything will be fine. I made a promise to myself. I ate and ate my fill. Literally ate my entire order in ten minutes. So I lost six kilos in a week, and my mother was very happy with the result. She immediately held a broadcast with my participation and introduced me to the audience in a custom-made dress. She talked about my hair, figure, and what a perfect daughter I was. The only thing, as I had big bags under my eyes and pain in my stomach, that's bullshit. But I tolerated it. After the broadcast, we were invited to a dinner party at my mother's boss's house. His wife cooked a wonderful meal. 
I couldn't eat a bite of it. I felt sick, but I tried not to show it. I apologized, said I was tired, and called Mikey myself. He was home, but he came to get me and took me straight to the hospital. He asked what I ate and how I ate, but I didn't tell him the truth. I just asked him to prescribe something for my stomach and let me go. I also refused to be examined, although he insisted. Look, I'm tired. I want to go home. Okay, I'll give you some painkillers, but please, eat. I went home and after taking my medicine, I fell asleep. The next day, my mom ran into my room and told me that we were invited to a social dinner. Oh, there will be so many people there. After yesterday's broadcast, everyone wants to meet you. You're in great shape, so you can eat. You have my permission. Get dressed. Here's what to wear, said my mother. She didn't even notice how bad I felt, but I didn't want to spoil her mood and ruin the event. So I went along with her, smiling and saying hello to everyone. The attacks of pain got a little worse, and then I drank the medicine in the bathroom. Finally, we sat down at the table, there was a lot of food, and I felt hungry. If my mother let me eat, it was a good chance to eat with a clear conscience, wasn't it? And then the operators came in. Oh, these are my guys. Feel free. I thought, what if we capture this moment and share it with our viewers? Let them see how beautiful our meetings are and what we talk about, right? All the guests supported her idea. Everyone wanted to promote themselves at her expense. Mom lightly pressed my back to keep my posture up. I picked up the cutlery, and the waiter put a fish steak with rice and spinach on my plate. It looked delicious, and it smelled divine. Just as I was about to cut off a piece, my mother said to me, Eat it, daughter. Just eat less than half, okay? She said it in my ear, but with such firmness and coldness. I felt so sad and disgusted at that moment. All these people around her, they were supposedly chatting with each other while fixing their ties and hairstyles. And my mom, she didn't care about any of them, or even me. She just wanted to hype up what a great mom she was. Your daughter has just gorgeous hair and such an amazing figure. You're doing great, Dariana. You're very lucky to have such a mom, is what I heard. In anger, I clutched the cutlery in my hand and cut off a huge piece of fish and shoved it into my mouth, then spooned the rice. All the guests froze, and my mother watched in horror as I ate my portion quickly. We're not in a rush, honey. I'm hungry. The guests laughed, and my mom kicked me in the leg under the table and showed the cameraman out the room. I finished every bit of it while everyone was watching. Then I pounced on fruit, sweets, and other salads. I ate with my hands like a pig, but I couldn't stop. My mother reprimanded and then yelled, and then her boss's wife came up to me. She gave me a tissue and asked if I wanted to go to the bathroom, but at that moment... It was as if I had some sort of reflex to the word toilet, and in an instant, I threw up everything I ate right on that woman. There was silence at the table. That nice lady was wiping her dress with a napkin she was offering me. I looked at everyone and ran out of there in shame. I went straight to the hospital to see Mikey. What's wrong with me? I thought so. You're bulimic. What is that? It's dangerous. It can open up internal bleeding. You could die, Dariana. You need to be treated. What? 
I couldn't believe I'd brought myself to this state. I sat down in the chair and Mikey brought me some water. He was trying to calm me down, and that's when my mom ran in. She was screaming at the whole room that I was embarrassing her, that I was a shitty daughter, and then she swung and wanted to slap me, but Mikey caught her hand. He chased her out of the room. What? It's all my fault? Is it a crime to be pretty? Your daughter has a serious health problem. Any girl would want to be in her place. Mikey was unceremonious, showed his phone, and said that he filmed everything on camera, and if she would not leave, he'll put it all on the network and my diagnosis with pictures, too. Anyway, what now? I'm in therapy. My mom doesn't touch me, and I realize that beauty doesn't really require sacrifices, because if you're happy on the inside, you're beautiful automatically. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by...